0: This is a Maine Hustle Media Podcast. I would like to acknowledge that the Maine Hustle Media Podcasts are recorded on the traditional lands of the Karankawa, the Chumash, and the Tongva people, and I wish to pay my respects to the people of those nations, both past and present. I like them both, I just can't decide Cause tonight I know I need you
1: beside us I'm a chronic baby, call me by fury I like them both, there's no need to decide, no We like girls, we like girls and boys, boys We like girls, we like girls and boys, boys I'm a chronic baby, no not by fury
0: I'm a chronic baby me by hey yo, welcome to Bi Furious Podcast. The podcast for those of us in the LGBTQ plus community that feel marginalized from the quote mainstream LGBTQ plus community. I am your host, Charmaine Fury, uh, the angry bisexual, I guess, is why I call it Bi Furious. People keep telling me they can't be on the show because they're not bisexual. <laughs> That's not what it's about. <laughs> I'm I'm the angry angry bisexual. And today my guest is actually a guest that I have on my other show, Militantly Mixed. Um, and today we're going to be talking about gender identity, since that's something I've been talking about on the show lately and something I'm dealing with. Um, I'm bringing over Ivy to talk about their experience as well. Ivy, why don't you introduce yourself and uh, let's get into it.
1: All right. So hello, hello, hello. My name is Ivy. i um, so I yes I have been on the show before that militantly mixed. Um, so I am mixed race. I'm South Asian and white. And then I am also very queer, very non-binary. <laughs> um, so very asexual, aromantic. And um, yeah, that's me,
0: just, just vibing. Just, so. <laughs> just vibing with my queer ass self. Um, yeah. So I, I, how I met you, you were already identifying as non-binary um but like all things in our life both as mixed people and um as uh our gender tends to be fluid and sometimes shifts a little bit uh so is that is that kind of what's been going on with you lately like let's get into it let's talk about uh this this gender shit that we're going through
1: yeah for sure yeah so um not not only has it been about like me understanding my gender more but also about like my uh like the romantic orientation part of my identity mm. so I was like for um for for like a long time it was like I was going between aromantic and biromantic and I was like I can't decide am I both of these things at once or is it okay. one or the other and I was like I guess the probably is both of these because um <clears throat> so for like aromanticism it's like you experience little to no romantic attraction
0: mm-hmm.
1: um and so for me I found this the word gray aromantic which basically it's like a big umbrella term that covers like a whole bunch of different things um and so I was like oh that's cool but I'm still like biromantic as well so because I, I don't experience romantic attraction very much or very often mm-hmm. But when it has happened. It's been for people of different gender identities. If that, does that make sense? Right. Yeah. So it makes, it makes sense in my head. So <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah, not only that, but then also with like the gender identity part, I was like, Oh man, that is so complicated. Cause I was like, am I a boy? Am I a girl? Does
0: it really matter? <laughs> I don't know. Right. Does it really matter? Well, so I was just having this conversation. Well, I've been having this conversation a lot lately, but in particular, it was something I was talking to a friend about earlier today, them trying to understand me using the term bi gender. Um, mm-hmm. I was explaining that, like, when people started to openly use the term non binary for like a f- split second, I was like, yeah, maybe that's my deal, you know, like, or whatever. But mm-hmm the it just never fit like it just feels like a coat that doesn't fit right I was like it's not it's not that and I don't know why I couldn't get myself to binary like which because that's really my deal like I really do feel like I'm existing I'm fem bodied and I love my fem body I don't I don't have body dysphoria but I do have this thing that just doesn't feel right when someone thinks of me as just a woman or just mm-hmm. a girl or whatever I'll take it mm-hmm. Because I have, you know, my whole life and I, you know, I'm right. I'm um hyper feminine bodied, although not hyper feminine in in my behavior or in the way that I feel about myself. And so I just like not non-binary didn't fit for me, but it seemed to fit for everybody that I met that identified as as non-binary. I was like, Yeah, okay, I get that for you. Mm-hmm. I just thought I didn't have a deal. And I don't know why it's so weird to be like this mixed race person who I, I'm not biracial, I'm triracial, but I am bicultural. I am bisexual. <laughs> How the fuck did I not think about the term bi-gender? Like that <laughs> never occurred to me. I just thought it was pretty much like, male, female, non-binary, and you had to fit, if you were anything within the fluid, you kind of had to fit in the non-binary. And I was like, that, it just didn't feel right. And I felt like I was like co-opting somebody (laughs) else's deal by trying to claim that. So now that I've seen that this term exists, I'm like, okay, I feel a lot more, like I can get it now. Like I have a term that allows me to explore where before I was so hung up on not having the right term, I couldn't explore the, the gender stuff. But when I met you, like I was saying, when I met you, you had already been identifying that way. And I'm curious when, I'm assuming you probably have always had a version of like this stuff going on in your head, but when did you get to a point that you openly identified as non binary?
1: Uh, Let's see. So I think it was during college, actually. So when I, it all started when, when I was in college, like, I didn't think of myself as anything other than like straight and cis and -hmm. then after my first year I took like a feminism class Mm -hmm. and they gave us like this sheet of paper it was just like um like turning around like questions that you would ask straight people like oh how that they always ask us like oh Mm -hmm. how did you know that you were straight all this stuff and I started thinking I was like wait wait (laughs) wait I
0: didn't know I didn't actually know (laughs) I didn't know
1: I just assumed it It was so funny looking back at it now um and then like the same thing with gender identity too I was like well how do I know that I am what I am Mm -hmm. because I've never thought about it before so right it's like um once I, I started thinking about it more and yeah I was like uh I spent a long time trying to find a word that fit Mm -hmm. But I was, like, I still don't quite know if I found one. Mm -hmm. Um, Like, for the longest time, it was, like, um, I was saying, like, agender or genderless. Mm -hmm. Um, And that, I still, I think that feels mostly right. But still, I think there's something else going on there, too.
0: Well, also, I think what you and I are kind of talking about has a little Mm -hmm. bit to do with how our romantic and or sexual identity mm-hmm. ties into our gender identity, which isn't the case yeah. for everybody, but mm-hmm. almost every person I know that is on the agender, gender, non-gender, oh wait, I'm getting myself all screwed up, Um agender, bigender, non-binary, or super <laughs> binary <laughs> um, <laughs> spectrum, like literally all of them, uh, any of us tend to wrap it up like it's all wrapped up together Mm -hmm. um our gender identity and our our romantic and our sexual identity is is going in play and going at play at the same time and I don't know if that's just the it just happens to be the people that I know that have all been like yeah but I I didn't start realizing my gender shit until I was realizing my sexuality shit you know or Mm -hmm. whatever but um I don't seem to have these conversations with straight people unless Mm -hmm. they're asking me what my deal is and I don't seem to have this conversation with cisgendered queer people in a way that I feel like we're talking about the same thing because I feel Mm -hmm. like they are also exploring when they're asking me questions like the conversation I had earlier today which was with a person that's cisgendered but queer who is trying to understand gender identity like just just Mm -hmm. really trying and um and so I think that that's why we're so like, that's why it doesn't all, it doesn't all fit. Um, I, yeah, I, <laughs> it's so messed up. Oh, uh, so you thought, okay, so you're saying that your whole life, you didn't think of yourself as anything besides what like society was telling you, you were, you were supposed to be, you were supposed to be straight yeah. you were supposed to mm-hmm. be reflective of what you were assigned at birth in terms of your gender. Did you do the thing that, I'm seeing a lot of us do, um, where you start with a gender identity that kind of matches your assigned at birth. And then as time goes yeah. on, it flips. Well, actually, mm-hmm. I think that's the case because I see that you have your pronouns listed on the page as they, she, but when I met you, mm-hmm. it was reversed.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Is that exactly, part of, yeah. is that part of the process for you? Yeah, I think so. Like, I,
1: um, so when I was like first, uh, like looking more into this, um, I found the word demigender. I don't know if you've mm-hmm. heard of that. So demigender as like sort of identifying as your assigned gender. Um, and I was like, okay, that kind of fits, but it
0: still didn't feel quite right. Mm-hmm. Um, what about demi-agender? demi Would that get you closer? Yeah, yeah, you know, that does feel a little better, I think. <laughs> I mean, right? <laughs> like this is a weird thing because I started out in terms of my sexuality, like I didn't have no problem. I could just do because I liked everybody, so I could just do what I did and I could do it. Now I can't seem to muster sexual uh, um, interest in men that I'm physically attracted to, which makes no fucking sense. Um, I have to have an emotional attachment to them, which is how I identify as demisexual with men, with women. I don't have to even like them, mm-hmm. but if I'm attracted to them, I can get it up for them, which is very weird that this is happening with, with different gender you know, identities um, and presentations. But so I'm Demi with men and I'm not with women, but to oh, wow. co- to add that into gender, like mm-hmm. maybe there has to be certain attachment things that have to do with a disconnect from your body presentation, maybe, or, mm-hmm. or, or even how other people see you Where like a gender, a and Demi could potentially do that work. I, I don't know. Mm -hmm. yeah
1: that's interesting you know I I have actually thought about that before about like how I I think it does play a role in like my asexuality and like the aromantic part because I um, like I said I don't really experience attraction to people and so maybe it's like that expectation that you're supposed to be in a relationship with Mm -hmm. everyone and it's like them seeing me as a cis person was what was making me uncomfortable. Right,
0: well. right. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: So yeah, I yeah. I don't know. And then I have I have thought about like, um, <clears throat> if uh, how I would feel if people referred to me as a boy, and that has happened before, actually. <clears throat> mm-hmm. And I'm like, that doesn't really bother me that much either. So, <laughs> so <I don't>
0: <laughs> that that's a thing for me too, because my yeah. Japanese grandmother when, mm-hmm. and when she, she speaks English, she mixes pronouns. So for my whole life, I have been called he mm-hmm. because my grandmother's language flip, because he and she aren't the quite the same in Japanese, the way they are in English. And so like, for me, literally, you can call me he, she, they, and it doesn't not either. I will answer to all of them. So I'm not dealing mm-hmm. with the pronoun aspect of, uh, gender dysphoria, um, that other people in our, cast or group, whatever (laughs) we want to call it, um, the people that experience the things that you and I are talking about, I don't experience the pronoun issue. Mm -hmm. Um, I started to incorporate they more often, she, they pronouns, because I was, I was thinking about doing that kind of like for the culture type of a thing of just like for anybody who kind of exists within um, gender fluidity. If more people saw it, then it would become more normalized and people wouldn't freak out if you got called they. Like when you see on TikTok, mm-hmm. someone's like, I'll never answer if someone calls me they, or I'll never call, I'll never date someone who goes by a they when literally they'll use they in the sentence, a singular they or whatever. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. it's hilarious. I, I love the internet. Um, but so I started using it more like for the culture type of thing than necessarily like a need for me. That being said, the very first time someone referred to, I have friends who call me bro and, and bro and things like that, like some of my guy friends. Um, and in those particular friendships, it makes sense because of the way we are friends. Like my podcast partner mm-hmm. on Blurred Comics, we've known each other since we were eight years old. And while I am a fem bodied person and this friend has known me as a girl most of my life, has always identified me as a guy friend, like mm-hmm. I'm not on the sexual option spectrum for that person. And they are not on the sexual options spectrum for me either. We're bros. So mm-hmm. you hear it in our dynamic on the show and you, you, you hear him call me bro. Um, Something I have noticed recently is when I'm being more emotionally vulnerable, that's is when he uses more feminine terms for me. But other than that, almost always exclusively calls me bro or bruh. And it, it's the dynamic that we have. And I appreciate that it does. It's not weird. If a random person calls me, bro, it depends on how they're saying it. Like, are they mad at me or whatever, whether I take it, but uh, recently in um, our, our comic book shop was um, an article in a queer magazine. They'd written an article about us to feature us. And Uh, They asked for the pronouns. I said that I use she, they, he pronouns either way doesn't matter. And within one paragraph referred to me as she, they, and he in different parts of the paragraph. And I teared Mm -hmm. up. Oh my gosh. And I didn't expect that. Like, because I've never like, because pronoun thing never Mm -hmm. affected me like that, but it was like a complete outsider from me. You know, not somebody who is having to learn to adjust my gender identity or anything like that, like just mm-hmm. a complete outsider. And the way they met me was identifying me as a queer person, uh, a queer business owner for the sake of this article, and then acknowledged all of my things in one paragraph. And it was so weird. Mm-hmm. It was so weird that I had an emotional response wow. to it. <laughs> wow, that's great. Oh my gosh. So it might yeah, be sometimes it might just feel fine. It all depends on probably who's saying it to you too, though.
1: Yeah, I I actually had um, a bit of a similar experience. I, I was just talking with a friend. Um, we, we have like a book club together and, mm-hmm. um, and it was with a bunch of people that I don't really know very well. Um, and so my friend referred to me as they pronouns. And then somebody else messaged me to be like, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. I referred to you as the wrong pronouns when I had a she in my thing like I do now. Mm-hmm. And I was like, it's fine, <laughs> it's fine. Yeah. You know, if you call me she, I'm not going to kill you. So
0: it doesn't but, have like an emotional dampening feeling <laughs> for you. Still, okay. No, not really. Um, it just
1: sometimes it gets annoying if that's all that people use. If it's like, all
0: they use, yes. Yeah,
1: like you got to switch it up a little bit,
0: at least, <laughs> so. right? Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I I noticed that um, I really struggled in the beginning um, with a adapting to the change of using, which I think, you know, everybody does, including Mm -hmm. people who are experiencing gender fluidity and their own transition into using different pronouns. Um, But I have a few people in my life that have gone by she, they pronouns. And then they say, like, basically what you said, it's, it's just like, when they say she, I need to know that they also acknowledge me as they, and Mm -hmm. I don't know that if they don't use it in a way that is like normal singular pronoun identification versus like, um, you know, like Marsha over there, uh, um, they are blah, 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 you know, like something mm-hmm. like that, or they lost their wallet or something. I always use the wallet a wallet option. I don't know why, uh, but like, mm-hmm. you know, um, uh, you know, like that, that's Marsha over there. They lost their wallet. If they would say something like that, then um then they would be like, okay, that's fine. I think they're identifying it. So I, what I did was the counter version of that, which was I tried to refer to everybody as they for a period of time to kind of get my mouth used to doing it. And it actually took probably about two years for me to actually start to feel it taste wrong in my mouth if I called somebody a she or a he when they have they pronouns, you know? Um, and mm-hmm. so it would immediately make me go, oh, he or they, you know. Like I would fix it, I would fix it right away. Which I'm still, there's still, I'm, I will still do it sometimes. It, it happens. Um, the getting 44 years of of she and they and masculine feminine ideology, like out of my head after all these years is tough. And so it's mm-hmm. why I was like kind of over correcting to make it more natural. Mm-hmm. I think it helped in the beginning. Um, honestly I just wish we did it because so many languages actually don't have masculine feminine pronouns you know there are a lot of languages that do that so I was kind of doing that in the beginning it it's funny though because it's one of these weird invalidating moments I know we talk about validation a lot on the militantly mixed but it's this weirdly um, invalidating moment when like I feel that I'm not it's internal it's entirely I don't even know how to describe this. this is why I'm struggling. It's internal problem I have where I feel like i'm on, I'm almost dequerifying myself by messing up pronouns like mm-hmm. i'm not I'm not also a person dealing with a gender fluidity um situation right now. Like it's making me tell me you're not actually dealing with it because if you were, you would get this right. But, you know, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm messing up sometimes. Um, and even for yeah. me, like I'm not correcting people who've known me for a long time. Mm-hmm. I'm doing stuff like that. So it's, a, it's just a whole thing of where like, I'm really in the beginning stage and people have known me and people who have known me for years and years, even into childhood have heard me describe myself as a boy in a girl's body for many, many years which I've identified on the show as, as my trajectory and how I did it was I first used to say, I don't want to be a wife. I want to be a husband as trying to explain Mm -hmm. what my deal was. Like I could identify, I had something going on, you know, even at five or six years old. And then as I got older, I would say I was a boy trapped in a girl's body. And then as I became an adult, that's when more transgender people well actually at the time publicly people were referring to them still as transsexuals when transsexuals were coming up in the media I stopped using boy trapped in a girl's body because that was the language they were using for transsexuals um and I was like that's Mm -hmm. not really my deal and I don't want to I don't want to take away from other people's identity and then once people started identifying as transgender I think I would say I was like masculine like I had a dude brain And that also is not great to say it like that way too. So it was my, me working my way through, um, all of this. So like my friends who have known me forever, who identify me as, as a woman or a girl have heard me describe myself as a boy in some way, shape or form throughout my whole life. Um, so that being said, when, when they don't acknowledge the she, they part, um, or they still are like girl or whatever <laughs> to me and stuff that that's when it yeah. kind of gets annoying mm-hmm. it doesn't always get annoying though yeah exactly. it's just sometimes which is annoying <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah same same
1: that's how I feel too like uh like if people call me a girl it's fine you know mm-hmm. but it just yeah it just gets grating like I used to work um I used to work like customer service mm-hmm. and they would be constantly gendering me as miss or ma'am or whatever and I'm like oh why is there no gender neutral term for this right like, it why drives is, me nuts oh uh, why is everything so unnecessarily
0: gendered that's my question <laughs> yeah <laughs> oh, um so annoying it's weird because there's certain vibes that I think if we didn't have, if we weren't, especially as Western society, all caught up in the gender role thing, that it wouldn't matter if we interchange things. So like, I've been dealing with this whole thing about, um, I changed my online persona from mixed girl main, which I was a whole thing um, to mix auntie main and which felt better because I do give off auntie vibes. I don't give off uncle vibes. Mm-hmm. I give off auntie vibes. But I didn't, I felt like it was telling people that I had a, f- a female gender identity, which I only sort mm-hmm. of do, you know. Um, I think of myself more femme bodied now than than actual like female gender identity, right? And so I was describing it online, like on my episode when I was talking about making the change. And I was like, I'm like, if I really break it down, I'm like a sir but I'm also an auntie. So I'm like a Sir Auntie. And that was just a throwaway thing that I said on the episode, but it has sat on me for like three weeks. And so I finally just changed all my stuff to Sir Auntie Main on instead of Mix Auntie Maine, um, okay. which felt again, like each step has felt a little bit better until it, until it felt just right. And right now it's feeling just right um, of this thing of like, I need you to know that I have also, that I have a bi-gendered identity in some way, shape or form. Um, but there's certain things that I just do. Like, I'm not a ma'am. I am a sir. I'm not an uncle. I am an auntie. I am a sir auntie. <laughs> That's my vibe. <laughs> and then I found this t-shirt um, on TikTok. I saw someone wearing it on TikTok. And then I went through the whole thing until I found out where they got the shirt from. Um, and it was an indigenous creator, but uh, the shirt says matriarchal daddy. <laughs> Oh, that's great! It's great. I like <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, "Yeah," because I'm I'm still here, like to try to do the work that I do in terms of assisting fem-bodied people and things like that. But um, at the same time, I do I do have a different deal going on. So that's funny. Um, th- the ways that we try to to figure it out and find it. So you said that you you do you were recently or you had been identified as a boy. And it didn't, it didn't really bother you, or did it sit on you and just you just kind of go like, yeah, kinda, no, yeah, uh huh. Like what was it? Yeah, at first it was, it was just me. I was like walking
1: past this guy, and he was like, oh, uh, he said something offhand like the your, your boy or whatever or something, and I was like, wait, are you talking about me? (laughs) Because at first I didn't realize he was talking about me. Cause I was wearing like my baseball cap, my mm-hmm. jacket. And I look, I look pretty androgynous, I guess.
0: With You my generally do look pretty androgynous. <laughs> like even without a hat, you, you do to me yeah. anyway. But I've also only ever seen you like this, just inside oh. the little screen of the the iPhone yeah. image. Um, yeah. So. I used to have really long hair. It went like way like down past my
1: shoulders. Mm-hmm. And then I think I cut it when I was, um, let's see, when did I even start cutting it? Probably like my last couple years of college.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: oh my God, it was like, it felt so much better. A it was just like, idea. I had all this weight. Yeah, mm-hmm. like weight on my head. And it just, for so much of my life, it just did not feel like me. I always had it tied back in mm-hmm. a ponytail. Cause I was like, and then I was like, well, you know, I could just cut my hair. <laughs> Maybe that would help me feel better.
0: Yeah, <laughs> it did. What so, about your <laughs> dressing aesthetic? As you've been going through sort of, figuring out your own identity do do you have you always basically kind of dress the same or did you go from a more feminine to a more androgynous and or masculine like Mm -hmm. line
1: um i think it's kind of fluctuated so actually when i was in middle school i only wore like flannel shirts (laughs) for like most of them Mm -hmm. and then I got rid of all my flannel shirts and they came back in style right after that. No. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, I shouldn't have gotten rid of those. Um, but then when I was in high school, I was like super femme presenting. Like, I, well, not super, but just like I would occasionally wear makeup and uh, just like, you know, more femme presenting stuff. I didn't, I don't really like wearing skirts or dresses. Either. Either. Um, and then, but I, I kept wearing them, I, like especially when I had to go to to dances and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when I was in, again in college, I was like, you know what? I don't have to wear a dress to do this. I can buy a suit. Mm-hmm. So I bought a suit, and nice. that felt
0: that felt great. And I really like wearing ties too. Ties are great. <laughs> I love ties. I wore a bow tie yeah. to my my <laughs> award ceremony the other day. It, it's mm-hmm. made by a friend of mine. It's it's made out of wood. Oh. I and like I that. I just wore it with a shirt. Like I didn't even have it in a collared <laughs> shirt. I just wore it um, with a blouse that didn't have a collar mm-hmm. and I felt great. <laughs> That's awesome.
1: Yeah, ties are so cool. I'm just like, um, yeah, I like that. But the problem I have is is that I'm so short that it's so hard to find clothes that like right. fit and feel good, you know? So I'm, I'm still having that problem.
0: <laughs> and if you have to go to a tailor to try to like, you also have to like expose your a gender deal just to get through the process right. of like yeah, it's fine, I yeah. get it, but like just tailor it, please um yeah. that was the other problem that I had in terms of trying to figure out what my deal was because i I have a hyper feminine body, but I don't mm-hmm. like to dress um feminine regularly, uh and when I do dress up like where I wear a dress and I have makeup, like a friend's wedding or whatever the fuck, I will refer to myself in the third person until I'm out of that attire. And I did not <laughs> realize that until um, until uh, like in 2017, I did this photo shoot and my my friend is a like a professional makeup artist and photographer. And so like, it was the real deal. Like I was in full drag as far as I'm concerned. And I, um, I had to keep my, I I was away from a mirror the whole time they were putting me together. So I went from looking like I normally look, you know, you know, just freshly washed, but that's about it to all done up. And when I looked in the mirror, I was like, oh, she's pretty. And and I was like, (laughs) That's weird. <laughs> but then when I did that, I realized I was like, oh, I also have, I have always done that whenever whenever I'm in a dress, I refer to myself in the third person. Um, I also use a very hyper feminine headshot from that, from that photography thing as my headshot publicly. Um, and I will continue to refer to her because mm-hmm. she is pretty, but I do not look like that on a regular basis. I mean, I'm cute or yeah. whatever, but like that's I don't, that's not my vibe. <laughs> um, and I would like to have something that is more, um, I do want to get a, a suit, but I though also, even the way that I like suits is when this it's a, ma- a male suit cut for a feminine body. <laughs> so again, I couldn't find my deal. Cause it was either hyper-masculine stud or ultra feminine foo-foo girl. The middle didn't make sense for me because I couldn't find something that was a real middle. Like I'm, I'm, I don't have an androgynous presentation, but I, so I guess I do, I still lean, I guess, a little bit more towards the feminine in terms of like how I'm masculine, <laughs> if that makes sense. Yeah. Like I want to wear pants. I want to wear a suit, but I want it to cut to form, to shape my form, mm-hmm. but also not be seen as a girl. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, for sure. That makes sense to me. It like that. <laughs> <That's> only, <laughs> only makes sense to our brains. Um <laughs> and it's so hard yeah it's so hard to try to explain this to other people um and it's weird too because when I was 22 is when I fell in love with my partner that I'm still with and and they're a cis heterosexual male but they do describe our relationship as queer because they know they're with a queer person um Mm -hmm. and also we're poly so I think there's a level of queerness that goes along in in poly as well although they don't identify themselves as queer um necessarily I mean I think because of being around me and a lot of people we know, it's like, you know, everybody's a little bit in some way, shape or form, I think is, is kind of their belief maybe. Um, But that's a whole nother element too, of like, sometimes not feeling queer enough. If I'm identified entirely feminine or entirely as Mm -hmm. female, when I stand next to him, I'm like, everybody thinks we're straight and that's gross, you know? (laughs) Yeah, so sometimes standing standing next to each other messes up my gender identity too. Mm-hmm.
1: Just yeah, like the the whole as, assuming that everybody is straight as the default. Like, oh my god, that just. <laughs> just
0: I saw just, someone on t- on Twitter talk about how they just flipped it and they just started to ask about like, "How's your wife?" If they're talking to a woman, or "How's your husband?" If they're talking to a man, like everyday <laughs> things and and just just the risk they were putting themselves at for people Mm -hmm. that are problematically straight, you know, um, Mm -hmm. because not all straights are bad. Um, but like, you know, this particular case, (laughs) like there were times when that person was probably putting themselves in like severe, (laughs) severe danger. Um, I don't know why I laughed when I said that, but, um, but it was, it was interesting to see like how, how willing to just like, uh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know I'm a queer person I know you assumed I was straight or um, you know I'm straight you know that kind of thing like how often that happens like we tend to just accept it because it's just easier to get through the day to let people assume but I hate it um, but for mm-hmm. for the super straights like they need you to know how straight they are mm-hmm. they just yeah
1: it's, it. it's 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 kind of similar to those people who are like um, you know they they need you to know how white they are as well, right? Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, <same. laughs>
0: so yeah, it's oh, the God. worst when we have all these things that are intersectional. Like even even in our racial identity, we are mixed, and mm-hmm. we both don't look like the things that we kind of identify with. I think a little heavier. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's kind of conversations that we've had before, and so there's just always, like, it's always a disappointment. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like, we just can never yeah. just have it be like, oh, you looked at me, you identified me the correct way, right away. Um, that would be dope, but I don't think that would ever happen for either one of us.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and actually, um, to go back to that whole, like, the, uh, <clears throat> with, like, the gender presentation in terms of, like, your cultural thing, like, um, I... I've always wanted to get, like, a sari, like, Mm -hmm. one of those, you know, long ones, but I just, I'm so uncomfortable with dresses, Mm -hmm. and I'm just, like, I don't know if I actually want to want to do that, or if I should try something else, like, the, get, like, the male version of it. Yeah, I was gonna
0: ask, would that feel more comfortable, do you think? I think it would,
1: yeah, because, like, I don't know what it is. It's just, like, other people assuming that I'm a cis person is just uncomfortable in, like, if I'm wearing a dress, you know, I don't
0: would it be and because i don't actually know would it be culturally inappropriate to wear a sari and pants uh well i mean they have
1: there there is like the solar knees, which is like it has like long sleeves and it actually has pants as well Mm -hmm. i have one actually i bought myself one because i was like i need one um just to have one um so it has pants and it's like a long tunic Mm -hmm. um so I mean that that's fine. I think that that feels pretty good. Oh, I think I know still, what you're
0: describing. I've seen people wear before.
1: Yeah, it still is like you know. Well, I guess I like, I guess it could be more gender neutral, but you know it is something that women tend to wear. wear. And like, it's, yeah. So like, <clears throat> yeah. The thing too is like people always act like, um, you know, gender genders haven't existed. Outside the binary throughout history, like literally without
0: colonization, India would not have problems with like it's it's in the gods, it's in the culture. There's statues that show gender Mm
1: -hmm. neutral
0: or gender non-binary type people. Like it's a y'all would definitely not have to struggle as much as you have to struggle thanks to colonization. Um, At Mm -hmm. the end of the day, folks. Colonization of racism is why we can't do shit. Um and, and you know, I, I mean, even like when I'm researching, so on my Japanese side, I, I do come from a samurai f- uh, family, and um and you know, everybody in the cast was samurai, the women, the men. Some women fought, some women did not, but they erased a lot of the female warrior um history once you know once white people came on board even though japan hasn't been colonized quote unquote by by white people the presence of the dutch and the portuguese and and during that era was kind of like how those gender roles started to become a lot more defined um yes they had gender roles they absolutely did but they became a lot more aligned with western um ideas of gender uh, after their presence and so as history is starting to be written, it's literally being a race that there was a whole cast of women warriors. Some, some fought in battles, some fought to defend the household, like physically, were like all women were trained to fight, but some had a terminology and, a, and an understanding that they were house fighters protecting the house. And some knew that they went out and got on horses and got in armor and the whole ship. Um, but how hard it was for me to find that out about my own culture and my own caste. Like if I if I were, if we hadn't left Japan, if I was born there um, and would have been descendants of that, like I would have really struggled to find out that information, which is wild. Um, so I don't necessarily know about the historical aspects of either Japanese or the African tribes I come from, um, gender ide- ideas necessarily. I know some of them, not all of them. Um, but I imagine they wouldn't be nearly as fixed as mm-hmm. Western culture makes it, which is why the, I think we do get classified in a mental health category because we're re- literally struggling with something that we wouldn't have had to struggle with if we were raised in the cultures that we came from that didn't have these issues. Um, but I'm happy to be having this conversation more often than I did before because I think it's, it's, it's making things a little clearer with every conversation that I have. Um, and maybe on another episode, we can get into, uh, the aromantic and asexual aspects too, because that, while that is obviously playing a role for you, um, it's not something I've dealt with yet on the show too many times. Um, you know, kind of brought it up as like, Hey, anybody want to talk about this, but haven't actually been able to engage, um, because the few people that I know that identify that way, um, they're not, they're not wanting to talk about it on a podcast. (laughs) yeah <laughs> which is not they don't have to they don't have to do it um so yeah we could get into that under the mm-hmm. time but i i appreciate having this conversation cuz like i said it does kind of lend itself to more clarity and i hope also to just knowing that now that we do well i guess at this point we've probably known each other for almost 2 years or i guess 2 years yeah because it was the start of covid that i started that thing yeah um <laughs> that's how we met through the social distancing thing and um you know, knowing that we have another other person that's going through something somewhat similar what we're going through um, to talk to, I I hope that I am a person. Well, I mean, I guess we, you you came on the show to talk about it, <laughs> yes. um, but I do hope that I I can provide that for you as well. Um, but I think it helps for the other people that are listening and just not knowing how to talk about it and being okay with when it's funky for us, like when we when we are mm-hmm. like, yeah, you can, I guess, default feminine. But can you throw a couple of things in there on occasion mm-hmm. or something like I think that I I think that's the conversation we don't like to publicly have because we're nervous that mm-hmm. it invalidates the process of us um, identifying identifying ourselves as non-binary or bi-gendered, or agendered. Um, but sit on that demi asexual thing or a gender thing and let's uh let's talk about that again because <laughs> i'm curious okay. <laughs> if that i'm curious if that's uh if that's also something that would that would go into what your what your thing is a little bit too mm-hmm. um before we get out of here is there anything else you want to say
1: um, no, just thank you for letting me come on here. I know I kind of just barged my way on here. You
0: did not kidding. come on. You know you can always <laughs> you can always like you're you're in the cousin group so. Okay. Yeah. I, I just want to say like
1: the theme music for this show, I like whenever it plays, I just will sit in my chair and just like have a little dance party. I know. So it makes me
0: so happy. <laughs> I'll send you the MP3 of it so that you can just have it. Um, that, okay. that song is written specifically for the show by my friend Keto Rebel, um, who had an amazing year in Spotify stream. So if you want to follow them on Spotify, Keto Rebel, um, fellow bisexual identified uh, person. And um i i I just can't deal with how awesome that song is and knowing that it was written specifically for my show um i'm glad i'm glad you like it too because it's dope um I even had somebody in the shop, like I just happened to mention that I had a really cool theme song, and I played it for him, and uh, and he was like, "Can I get the extended version?" I was like, "There isn't one. This is it. It's thirty <laughs> seconds long." Um, but yeah, if Keto is listening, <laughs> people want a whole track, so get on. No I'm joking. Um, I'll send you the MP3 though. Okay, thank you. <laughs> All right. <laughs> uh, if you would like to support the show, you can go to. Um, uh, I think we have a wow wow charmaine remember what you created oh i have a Kofi page ko-fi.com slash by pod um, you can support show that way or if you go onto the anchor app you can also subscribe to the show that way so that you can support us and keep us going we also have an etsy shop um, etsy i guess you could just search for bifurious pod and we'll pop up and you get a t-shirt like if you're watching the t-shirt that i'm wearing right now with our logo um or tote bags and water bottles and things like that um then yes yeah, subscribe rate and v- review wherever you get your podcast because that helps bump us up and um to date this is my less downloaded show but that's because i also don't record consistent episodes <laughs> um but if you follow us hopefully we can get there and maybe i can start getting funding so i can do the show more often uh, but thank you ivy for joining me and. Uh, everybody out there if you need a person a safe person to come out to please jump into the email or the dms on bifuriouspod pod at gmail.com or instagram and twitter Uh, don't do this stuff in isolation there is a community out there and sometimes the safest person to come out to is not somebody that you know sometimes sometimes Um, Mm -hmm. so please don't do this in isolation reach out if you need um, support. And if there are resources that I can find, I absolutely will share and try to get you set up. So that's it. <laughs> Yay! Um. By Furious is a main hustle media podcast produced and hosted by me, Charmaine Fury. Music is by Keto Rebel. And if you like what you heard on By Furious, please subscribe, rate and review on Anchor, Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Buy Furious is a fan-sponsored podcast, and if you would like to support us, please go to anchor.fm slash Pod. Peace, y'all. Main Hustle Media. Turn your side hustle into your main hustle.